Hello and welcome to this episode of BIA's Leading Local Insights podcast, where we provide an immediate and deeper look into our current insights and assessments of local media, both traditional and digital. I'm Rick Ducey, Managing Director of BIA Advisory Services. I'm joined today by my colleague and senior media analyst, Layla Chatty. Layla, how are you doing today? Hi, Rick. How are you? Thanks for having me to be at the podcast. We're really excited to interview Joe today. I think so, yeah. It's going to be a fun conversation. Uh, today, our guest is Joe Marino, who's head of client services for Madhive, where he's responsible for business development and media strategy, helping new agency brand and publisher partners simplify their programmatic video marketing campaign. Madhive is an enterprise software a company that powers modern media. Madhive's advertising suite provides tools for audience forecasting, precision targeting, and cross-screen attribution against this proprietary CTV device graph, um, kind of the center of what's happening right now in media. So we're really excited, Joe, to hear more from you about how you're seeing the space and kind of your role and Madhive's role in the whole thing. So thank you for being here and welcome. We appreciate your time with us today. Thank you. Really excited <clears throat> to be here. Excellent. So, um, yeah, Joe, we're just going to, you know, start things off with a few topics and questions, and Layla and I will um, kind of tag team and um, share questions and, and uh, keep the conversation going at a fairly lively pace, I expect. So, Layla, let me turn it over to you. Sure. Um, so, Joe, uh, let's start with the first question. So, um, what is your definition of programmatic versus publisher-direct advertising in digital and video? Yeah, thanks. So, you know, programmatic in general really means the automation of processes, right? So when that applies to the uh, advertising ecosystem, to me, it's the automation of a planning, buying, uh, selling process across the entire ad ecosystem. So ultimately, the goal is to build a more effective campaign or plan or proposal by creating efficiencies in both human and machine capital. So, you know, you can effectively aggregate all of your supply into one place at the prices that you dictate, and then uh, you can drop an ad, the right person at the right place at the right time uh, dynamically. So you can deterministically uh, analyze the performance coming out of all of that and then optimize in real time. So it really takes something that historically took multiple different layers and companies and people and divisions and collapses it into one um, tech platform. Yeah, there's, I mean, a couple of thoughts about that. I mean, I, I like that kind of initial grounding question, Layla. <clears throat> so it's it's you know, actually probably most of connected TV is programmatic. I mean, even when you have a trade that's a publisher direct, the buyer's going directly to the publisher, they're still sitting on top of a programmatic stack. I mean, almost all the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's just more on the other side. So, yeah. um, you know, that kind of ties into like how the ecosystem is set up today. So, yep. you know, there are DSPs or demand side platforms and SSPs or supply side platforms, you know, both service a very different side of the marketplace. So to your point, if you are buying direct to publisher, there is an SSP involved there to help automate some of that backend processes. Uh, SSPs are examples of, let's say, Magnite or Freewheel or Beachfront. These are very large connected TV SSPs today. Yep. Um, on the DSP side, there's companies like, you know, the Trade Desk, which everyone knows, or Amazon or Roku, for example. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, you're correct. And then you're talking about <clears throat> in, the, in the tech stack and where Madhide lives, 
in this. Um, it, it creates a lot of operational efficiencies. You're able to leverage your your graphs uh, for some deterministic kind of targeting. You know, all all strong positives. Um, that kind of contrasts a bit, like I think you at least implied linear TV, broadcast TV, for example, or or MVPD video. Um, it's still pretty manual in process, and it'd be great to get some of those operational efficiencies. The thing now, um, like you're saying, uh, from the DSP side, um, as well as the SSP side, what's happening is people want to get that cross-platform uh, campaign um, executed uh, and activated across both linear inventory as well as the programmatic CTV inventory. So you get into this uh, alphabet soup of, of jargon, um, identity graphs, audience targeting, frequency capping, dynamic ad insertion, forecasting in inventory demand and pricing, demand path optimization, attribution, so on and so forth. Um, so those words are bleeding into uh, the linear side, but it's front and center in, in the CTV programmatic mar marketplace where you guys live. How do you see where we are now and where are we headed? Yeah, so there is there are a ton of acronyms in the ecosystem, and they're constantly changing and being added to. Um, so, I guess it's continuing to evolve uh, as people get more educated about the space. As we start to identify uh, gaps that exist today, we are seeing. I like to jokingly call it the third renaissance of television happening right now with connected TV that's automating a lot of these things and kind of bring more awareness back to the channel with the opportunities that lie ahead of it. So, you know, I would say it's a pretty loaded question, but, um, you know, if you start inside out, I'd say looking at a household first, how we identify a household, how we find a household, how we target a household, I think that's key. Um, you know, standard linear or traditional linear today, you are buying at a household level. Uh, but you're mostly buying um, an aggregate of households right through the feed, whereas now we're able to target single households uh, through connected TV and, and programmatic. So I would say, you know, the, the way that we see things changing is just automating a lot of these little aspects, enhancing and creating device graphs that can support a household versus device IDs like legacy kind of digital media um, and starting to really look across standard traditional linear uh, and how it impacts and affects and supplements and enhances what you're doing with connected TV or any other types of video. Um, it's not easy to do that. There's a lot of data that you need to pull. Um, you need partners that are willing to kind of share data and information with what they're doing. So uh, there's always a, a comfortability barrier there and a transparency barrier. But if you knock down all those barriers, I'd say we're at probably 80% to true cross-platform attribution and, and measurement and incremental reach readouts. Um, we are now starting to see an adoption and a, and a shift of focus to now the planning side of things um, on the linear side. So pulling in linear feed, looking at linear um, pre-logs or post-logs and, and performance and starting to layer that in when you're looking at audiences and you know potential forecasting of avails into connected TV and trying to identify how those work together. Um, the problem is coming out of that, then you know you have your programmatic team or your digital team going and executing in platforms and tech, and then you have your TV team still kind of manually setting out those buys. <clears throat> so that's probably the last frontier that hopefully will get um, you know 
addressed in the next year or two. Yes, <clears throat> not like we haven't been hearing that next year or two for a while, but hopefully someday. And, and Leila, I think you wanted to get a bit more into the programmatic ecosystem. Yes, yes, of course. Um, just before we get to that, um, Joe, I wanted to know if you could tell us a little bit more how Madhive helped um, local broadcasters learn and monetize a new revenue opportunities such as CTV. Yeah, absolutely. So um, obviously the broadcaster's core business is traditional linear, right? They own the stations, they own the content. So uh, as the world started shifting to streaming, some people had a strategy and a plan and already kind of started navigating that way and others didn't. So what we were able to do was we sat down with a couple of these groups and we asked them, you know, what's your go to market? What's your tech stack look like? What are the challenges that you're facing today? Uh, some of these are processes, some of these are people, and um, some of these were products, right? So we started to look at the product side and the process side first and identified a few pretty easy ways that we can build technology to help support them. Uh, so we mirror their go-to-market that they're selling in traditional linear, uh, whether it's you know genre-based like sports bundles and packages against their owned and operated, uh, or you know entertainment or news, uh, and we kind of built that out for them into the connected TV ecosystem, and we set it up in a way that people who've never had access to top-tier technology could get in there, learn it, and use it effectively uh, within a few days. So, um, you know, historically, when you start to work in DSPs, like very large tier one omni-channel DSPs, if you've never been in one before, it would take you uh, months and months to learn that platform and to really master it. Um, so we kind of made it really easy to use our platform and we set it up in a way that made sense for linear TV. And then we took it a step further and integrated it in all their technology. So now they're not heavily reliant on just working in our system. They can work in their legacy systems and we push and pull the data in and out of our platform. And we support them from an education standpoint or strategy standpoint. That's awesome and very comprehensive, it seems. Um, could you tell us a little bit more, for example, in the programmatic ecosystem? How does MedHive fit into all of that? Yeah, so the, the programmatic ecosystem is vast and complex. I mean, we've already scratch the surface on some of it if you look on you know the supply side versus the demand side um, there are many different layers partners in the space uh, we're all adding value in our own way um, and ultimately the the goal is to automate and enhance everything that's happening in digital and tv and all media and and giving everybody access to those tools to be able to to do what everyone else has been doing it you know holding company agencies and so on and so forth so um, if you bifurcated it out between supply and demand, um, what is happening lately is that a lot of the DSPs and SSPs, demand side and supply side platforms, are starting to either merge or buy each other, and they're kind of breaking down the barriers. Um, an example of that would be freewheel buying beeswax. Uh, you know, Google has both sides of that. Xander has both sides of that. And Madhive, we were built originally a few five years ago with both of those together as well. It just makes more sense to not have to go through multiple layers and hops, which adds on fees and opens up opportunity for folks to, to sneak in with fraud. Uh, you kind of remove all those layers. So we kind of sit right in the middle 
uh, between supply and which would be you know publishers and supply path, which would be virtual MVPDs or the aggregators like Hulu and Roku, um, as well as uh, you know any type of access points like televisions and TV manufacturers today. Um, and then we go back to you know the broadcasters or or brands and agencies who they talk to to then kind of reduce the funnel and enhance what everyone's doing. But within the programmatic ecosystem, there are SSPs, DSPs, there are DMPs, which are data management platforms, there's CDPs, which is another version of a DMP. Uh, there's just so many layers and complexities. Uh, but for kind of our our kind of small view of you know advanced TV or convergent TV. Um, really, there sits SSPs, DSPs, DMPs, uh, and some kind of programmatic television companies now. Thank you, Joe. And um, I also was curious about what do you think the pros and cons of programmatic are versus direct deals? Because I know some people think that they get a better pricing on direct deals versus others think that programmatic deals are you know, give them better fraud protection, inventory management controls, or analytics, or any type of reporting. So, um, just want to have your take on that. Yeah. So there's, there's a ton of value in both approaches. So what some people don't realize is you can also have both. You can take your direct deals and run them programmatically. What I mean by that is you can go call your rep at discovery and get a deal ID and put it into a platform. So then you can take the power of programmatic and apply it to that deal. Um, so there, if you had to choose one or the other and lay it out the way you asked with pros or cons, you know, the going direct, there's a comfort there, right? You know that you're buying directly from, let's say discovery. Um, you can set up, you know, potentially more with regards to sponsorships or integrations or anything like that. Um, you might get a better deal if you go direct and you push your whole budget there versus spreading your budget out across multiple um, providers. I'd say the con of going direct would be, depending on how big your business gets, if you have to pick up the phone or send emails to 20, 30 different providers, that becomes a pretty heavy burden for anyone or any team. You're constantly renegotiating, negotiating. Your budgets can't be fluid because you're guaranteeing or, or putting down um, you know, specific weight against specific publishers, and you kind of lose the power of programmatic. Um, the pros of programmatic, to give you that, what the power of programmatic is, um, you just have more control, right? You can control your frequency, um, you know, so you don't see the same ad every single break, which I'm sure a lot of people have experienced that in the streaming ecosystem. Um, you can apply audiences more granularly, so, you know, left-handed jugglers i hear people joke about a lot but you know you could go find audiences niche like that uh, on top of geo with frequency caps and then publisher caps i don't want any you know one publisher to receive more than 15 percent of the total impressions so on and so forth so you just have more control it's aggregated your supply into one view and then you're just picking and choosing the most efficient and effective you know, ad instances as opposed to just running, you know, adults 25 to 54 um, across a, a direct buy. I'd say the the con to the programmatic, I wouldn't say this is necessarily a con, but more so something that people have in their head as potentially a negative would be um, people don't like to add a fee on top of what they're doing. Uh, but in most instances, that fee is negated 
by the efficiencies that you gain by now hyper-targeting and putting more control in the buy. Uh, it ends up providing better results from a performance standpoint because the consumer is now not inundated with your ad or maybe you're not missing a large part of the potential ecosystem or reach that you're looking for because you're limiting your site to just one uh, publisher. I see, thank you. It's it's really complex and so interesting, like the different dynamics that get into that. Um, and I had one last question on my end. Uh, so when media companies are reselling inventory to their clients, how critical is volume when we're setting up margins? I'm sorry, I missed the last like, like part of that question. I said, so how critical is, um, you know, the volume versus the margins? Yeah, so it's a little bit of both, believe it or not. Um, a lot of folks need a margin to maintain in order to support their business. And we take that into consideration when we are working with our partners. Mm -hmm. uh, but they need volume in order to drive more gross revenue. Uh, so it's it's kind of like not a this one or that one, but more of a how do you balance the two? Uh, you want to drive as much volume as possible. So you find as much efficiencies to scale that margin as possible. So I would say um, it's a it's a one plus one equals two and not a one or the other. Gotcha. Okay, that's what I thought. It's pretty much complimentary. Um, Rick, I'll hand it over to you. Thank you, Joe. Thank, thanks, Anna. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, just maybe a little bit more on that last point, Joe. Then I want to ask you kind of where you see things headed over the next couple of years. Um, on pricing, one thing I still get when I when I talk to some publishers, broadcasters, and so on about programmatic is um, they still kind of say the words of the experience with programmatic coming to display advertising and how it drove prices to commodity levels. And they're afraid their premium long form video, um, the pricing will get driven down. So I mean, it kind of relates to margins and I suppose volume in terms of how much of that inventory they want to put in there to drive impression scale. Um, does programmatic equal um, race to the bottom uh, in terms of pricing controls for publishers? Yes, yeah, so I've definitely heard that as well. And I understand the positioning of, of that concern. I would say what we're seeing is the exact opposite. We're actually seeing there's a ton of supply out there, a, a ridiculous amount of supply. Uh, we are not running out of supply anytime soon. And we're seeing prices going up. So overall, you know, a lot of people are valuing their content a little bit more and starting to increase rates. Uh, so you kind of need programmatic to balance that out so we can identify the, the pockets at the right price points that we deem uh, to be correct or needed for our clients and their margins. So if I'm a publisher and I'm sitting in the this ecosystem, I'm probably happy because I'm continuing to improve my fill rates and increase my rates. Um, if I'm, and that's more tier one, if I'm a tier three publisher, then, you know, yeah, I definitely feel that this is probably a little bit harder as everyone wants to run to the foxes and discoveries of the world. Um, and then, you know, kind of the leftovers end up being more of that tier two, tier three. But when you look at audiences, there's a ton of value in those tier two and tier three, where, you know, if you're looking for, a, you know, a, a gamer age 25 to, to 34 in the Northeast, um, you know, Crunchyroll might be really great for you. And um, you might not have historically put that on a proposal or a plan uh, until you realize when you layer on audiences and geo that actually maybe that's a, a really good place to be. So 
I do believe that there's more value for everyone with programmatic, um, but I do get that if people play with supply and demand too much, they feel like they need to lower their rates to get greater share. That is also a concern. Uh, but again, we're seeing it kind of go the opposite way right now. I have to say, I think that may be the kindest and smartest answer to that question I've heard. <laughs> uh, and and it's like, especially for the maybe the third tier, you know, tier three kind of publishers where, um, you know, the brand may not have the power, obviously, of, of tier one publishers. But the, the whole concept is you're creating a marketplace. It's sort of a two-sided marketplace and the platform, um, the part of the ecosystem where you live, allows that inventory to be properly priced. I mean, on the DSP side, there's tens and tens of thousands of attributes they can use to um, create audience segments and activate those. So these publishers may get value from audience targets uh, that buyers are able to activate that they never would have seen before. So, I mean, it's easy to see in theory, and now you're saying in practice, how you can actually see revenue lift uh, for programmatic that you wouldn't experience any other way. Exactly, absolutely. And again, it's uh, it's interesting when you, when you think home improvement and you want to put it a buy together, you're going to think HGTV and, you know, some other discovery networks, um, you know, FI, FYI, things like that. But right. you remove that and you look at, everything and you apply a you know someone in market for home improvement type audience or frequent shoppers to home depot uh, you'd be surprised the publishers that pop up and um, you're not saying that this is a less you know quality buy or less premium buy i think it's actually the opposite you know you're only reaching those people and you're finding them wherever you right. can and you actually shave back on some of the media that you might be overpaying for um, because now you're finding these people and frequenting them appropriately so yeah, it's, I mean, um, it's a good deal on both sides, the buy side and the sell side. And, um, you know, the buyer wants to make sure they're getting the value. The seller wants to make sure they're properly pricing their inventory. And, and they've got um, revenue optimization, yield management tools, the same size, the same way the buy side has has their kind of optimization tools that they can use also. As, as we look forward, I mean, so one thing that's big is cross-platform, uh, CTV, and linear TV and CTV, I think probably earlier was maybe seen as audience extension. Hey, we're starting to see some younger audiences um, move away from linear, but we can reach them with CTV. Now CTV is so large that you know it's its own channel, and so brands and and their agencies are are going cross-platform interbuys. Uh, that's certainly part of this programmatic ecosystem. Are, are there other things that go into how? campaigns get planned, activated, optimized um, as we look ahead? Yeah, so I think to your point, as we look ahead, it'll start to converge more, or at least it should, uh, because when you start having TV teams buying TV and connected TV teams buying connected TV and digital teams right. buying programmatic, it kind of overlaps and gets a bit messy. Yeah. Um, today we see TV teams buying both, digital teams buying both. They might bifurcate based on the actual publisher, but then you're kind of over-frequenting people. Yep. Uh, so I do agree with you. It should be consolidated into, let's say, TV, and it includes streaming or even video as well. So then you're not kind of duplicating your reach and um, creating a bunch of waste just because you need to keep budgets under certain buckets. Yeah, I mean, it certainly helps the budget, and of course, it dramatically improves the audience experience. Like you're saying, I'm not going to see in that same spot as I move across CTV program sources. Uh, it's going to get capped, and um, 
you know, can have controls within a pod as well as uh, across pods and across uh, program providers. So um, I think the future looks even better than it is now, and it's a pretty exciting place to be. Yeah, I love it. I, I can't wait to see how everything evolves in the next year or two. Yeah, uh, same. Um, this has been a great show. Really, really appreciate your time. Layla, any other thoughts you want to run by, Joe, before we let him go? Yes, I just had one final thought. I was just wondering, what do you think is the biggest challenge at the moment uh, locally for programmatic? Um, I would say it's it's education. So yeah. there's a lot of people in the space selling. Uh, some people understand it. Some people don't. Um, there's a lot of different approaches, companies, some are ad tech, some are white labeling ad tech. So it kind of creates this confusion in market and folks will test, learn and get burned and then run away from it. Uh, so I think really uh, an education of the local marketplace on how everything fits together, what's the best kind of crawl, walk, run approach to this new medium, uh, what's the, the optimal measurement. I think that would be really good. But for today, it's it's very noisy and there's a lot of people sprinting in all directions. So um, I would say education is the biggest gap locally today, in my opinion. I hear you. I'm sure it's also part of your challenge as well to, uh, you know, communicate that too. So thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate uh, your time and thank you for the valuable insights you gave us. And yeah, just in that last point, the education point, um, that's yeah. something that, that we're working on together, um, yeah. which is great. Uh, so we will be having a white paper coming out uh, covering the concepts that um, Joe, you and Layla and I have been discussing here. Um, it's not quite ready yet, but um, if you're listening to the podcast, send us send us a note at uh, podcast at BIA.com and we'll be sure to get that white paper to you when we um, do get it finished up. Joe uh, and Layla, thanks so much for being here today and uh, sharing this great uh, set of insights and discussion. Um, I do invite our listeners to come back for more podcasts. Send us your suggestions uh, for speakers or topics. Again, podcast at BIA.com. Uh, and uh, we'll factor that into future podcasts and try to make sure we cover the things that you're interested in. Well, on behalf of my colleagues here at BIA and, and uh, Layla, my co-hosts, our podcast listeners, thank you all for your time today. Thank you for being with us and sharing for what it's like to be in um, local broadcasting and local CTV, the local media spaces where BIA lives. And we try to do education and, and help clients uh, be their best uh, so that uh, they can perform in the marketplace the way they want. We so appreciate your listening. Look forward to your joining us next time. Stay tuned. Have a nice day. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone.